Welcome, beverage industry professionals, to the Shine Runner Show, quenching your marketing, distribution, and sales thirst for more horsepower on the craft beer, cider, and spirits industry. My name is Mark Colburn, and I'll be your crew chief. Today's episode is Sales Rep Training and Motivation. Our program objective is to provide you with an overview of marketing, distribution, and sales learnings, experiences, and from a veteran, me, who's been in the craft beer, spirits, and cider business for over 25 years. The goal of this program will be to help you better understand marketing's role, priority, and importance in the marketplace and how it relates to your business model. Please send ShineRunner episode questions or comments to shinerunner at thebrewingnetwork.com. So a little recap from episode 14, that was chain merchandising and fighting for floor space, or as I call it, real estate. So we talked a little bit about relationships, and we constantly hear this term, and I'm sure you appreciate the importance of solid relationships, especially when it pertains to large retailers. In episode 14, I said, always do your homework. Learn as much as you can about the key players that you'll be presenting to. This will improve your odds of gaining authorization. Also, as I said in uh, podcasts, I believe it was two and three, the more you understand your target market, the higher the probability of success you will have. So consider those those retail customers that you're going to make presentations to, consider them your um, additional target market and profile your target, kind of like we did with Austin. Get into his or her head. Find out what their hobbies and interests are. So I've got a little story here, and it's, it's, it doesn't relate to the supermarkets and the big retailers, but I think it's still it's worthy of, of, of chatting about. And it's a story about this guy, Bill. Bill is the owner of Jack's Bar on the Wharf in San Francisco. Uh, Jack's Cannery, it's called. And it's been there for, I think, 50 years. So I went in there, and I wanted to make a draft presentation to Bill. And I was sitting at the bar, and the bartender told me, oh, yeah, he'll be right with you. And if you've ever – you probably haven't been in this bar before, but it, as I said, it's, it's well-known. And I could see Bill sitting in his office about 15 feet to my left because he had his door open, and he was watching TV. So I didn't say anything, and I'm all suited up and ready to, to rock and roll. And 15 minutes goes by, then 30 minutes goes by, and 45 minutes finally goes by. So so what do you do? Do you, you say, hey, I've got other accounts to go present to or got to get out of here? You start getting ticked off. And I just thought, no, I have got to see this guy because he's got about 25 handles and I really had some good stuff to show him. So I, I take that time and I start analyzing the back bar. And as you first scan, you see the draft handles and you see the, the tackers and some of the point of sale stuff. But as you really, as I, as I spent a little more time analyzing, I, I noticed uh, more things and things that don't really stand out until you really take that time to analyze uh, and try to learn about this particular account to sort of do a little bit of homework. And I noticed, believe it or not, car parts. And high-performance car parts, and they weren't huge things like flywheels and headers or things, but but just some interesting little pieces. So it was almost an hour now, and he finally, I guess his program was over, and he comes out and he says, he's kind of a grumpy guy, and, and he says, yeah, uh, Mr. Goldman, no, we really, I, I really, I don't have any desire to change any handles out. I don't, I don't need any draft beer. So, you know, why don't you be on your way? And I didn't, I, I could have just said, okay, you know, great. Thanks. Uh, thanks for making me sit here an hour and taking off. Instead, I asked him a question about one of these car parts. And I think it was a, 
It was a turbocharger to kind of an older Dodge. As you know, I'm, I'm a gearhead. And um, he, he says, no, it's, it's not a, from a Dodge. It's from a whatever, a 1950s so-and-so. In fact, I have two of them. And I said, really? Wow, those are pretty cool cars. So we went right off into the car conversation for 30 to 45 minutes. And I have to tell you, it, it really, really helped out. Developed a relationship with Bill that I think I still have today. And it resulted in two draft handles. So it's, uh, as I said, do as much homework as you can. Try to, as I say, as I want to, um, a new comment here is, or a new term, excuse me, uh, get a rapport or toehold with your potential customer because it could really result in good things. Like I said, uh, got a couple draft handles out of that conversation, that presentation to Bill. So let's keep going. So um, we talked a little bit in 14 about entering the supermarket. And upon entering, be sure to say hello to the store manager or assistant and ask for permission to merchandise. Trust me on this one. Then once you're in, tour the majority of the store from left to right, paying close attention to end cap or side displays. Remember, You're not just merchandising your brand, you're helping your distributor with their portfolio as well. Now, if a consumer comes into the beer aisle uh, while you're working and needs help, hand sell them. I first ask if they need help, then what type of beer they're looking for, and then sell them a six-pack or whatever. Uh, Engage. Don't just stand there. Also, try your best to refrain from phone interaction. Emails and texts, they can wait. If a store manager sees you constantly on your phone, then your positive efforts will be diluted. And don't forget pricing, signage, to inform the consumer of your price. If there's no price on your product, there's not going to be any sales. You know it from personal experience. If you don't know how much something is, you're not going to buy it. And then we talked a little bit about merchandising and how important that is. And to to simplify and ensure a consistent brand image, what I like to do is I pre-make an easy-to-load merchandising kit with example photos so that people can, can just quickly recognize what needs to be done at the supermarket. And I also include them in a wholesaler pay for performance or or PFP program whereby I get dozens of merchandising displays rather than the one or two that I could build personally. Remember that product merchandising increases your volume and builds relationships with store management and your wholesaler team. The goal with what I call merching is to get more cases onto the shelves and floors than your competitors while earning points with store personnel. This is done through hard, efficient, and courteous work. If you only give a first-gear effort, this will backfire, as retail does not have a slow lane. A couple other things we talked about. Always tidy up before you leave. You want your section cleaner than when you arrived. And never forget the power of a smile as you say good morning and thank you to these important customers. And lastly, Always be on the lookout for those district or division managers. So let's uh, let's get into number 15 here. Wow, 15 podcasts. Woo. All right, so uh, we're going to kick it off here with an email question. So before I forget, we we have an email question that comes from Chad out in Clearwater, Florida. Oh, man, I love Clearwater and that Tampa St. Pete area. It's fabulous. So Chad writes, Mark, love the show and would like to know if you can further explain your battleship and fleet week incentive and how you maintained sales team motivation for nearly two months. 
As a sales director here in Florida, I can hardly get our guys to stay focused for a week. We are also considering sponsorship of a Fleet Week type event in 2019 and want to be ready. Thanks. Thank you for your email, Chad. This is a great question and touches on today's topic, sales rep motivation. So I'm going to spend some time on this. The beauty about my Battleship Incentive concept was that it was based on the supplier's sponsorship of Fleet Week, one of San Francisco's most exciting events throughout the year. The point is that this is excellent experiential event marketing synergy. Since the event is a major one, the city pre-promotes it very well. This helps create awareness, not just for consumers, but for the distributor sales troops that march through the city accounts day in and day out. I also knew that most of the wholesaler sales team liked and probably played Battleship as a kid. This builds anticipation, excitement, receptivity, and comprehension around the incentive. Now, to keep teams motivated, I changed the goals weekly. One week focused on off-premise package placements as computed by VIP data the Thursday evening prior to the Friday morning sales meeting, while the next week would highlight on-premise draft placements. This got everyone involved. The next key was to make as awesome-looking a playboard as possible. This is so easy to do today when most firms have a graphics department. All you need is a large-format color bench printer. I wish I could show this to you, so try to picture a, a 4K HD-level ocean scene with waves some dolphins, a whale, a scuba dude, and lots of gorgeous seawater. Kind of like looking from the beach at Clearwater, Chadwick. This sets the vibe and, and lets the audience be kids again while adding a dose of funkifies. Another way to keep top of mind with the sales teams is to leave this giant poster in the sales room. This way, when they walk by the sales room or have a division meeting in that room, they constantly see the ocean and any hits or misses that had been made in the prior sales meeting. Now, this gets them to thinking about where they'd take their next shots and thinking about your brand. I also spiced up the game by naming the ships after senior management at the wholesaler. As you may recall, when a ship was sunk, they cheered enthusiastically. This doesn't happen in just one week either, so the incentive has legs. The other element that I did not mention in a prior episode was taking creative ownership of your brand's incentive. This, my friends, is a key motivation tip for you. If someone else presents your incentive, chances are they'll have very little passion to impart. This results in a lower level of excitement with corresponding results. I've seen it many times when a manager thinks an incentive is silly stupid, or a waste of time. They will then bias the content with their attitude, body language, and voice inflection. So what do you think the sales team's reaction is to that? Quite frankly, if you're not a creative person, I suggest that you have someone else design, present, and execute your incentive. 
It clearly shows when a non-creative person presents an incentive to a street-smart sales team. Now, whenever possible, I presented my supplier incentives. One of the small things I came up with for Battleship turned out to be a big thing with the sales team. After I had my graphics team make the C-grid, I also had them print out square pictures that matched the grid boxes of either a big ocean splash, which was marked as a miss, or a big fiery explosion in the water that designated a direct hit on the ship. We needed this to help the teams decide on their next shots while making damaged boats on the sea grid, uh, well, uh, sorry, while marking damaged boats on the sea grid as well as missed shots. So keep in mind that we had as many as 25 to 30 other supplier October incentives in play. That's competition for sales team attention, but they were absent of any creativity or author effort. What I did to add some funkifies were sound effects. For a miss, I yelled out, But for a hit, I yelled even louder. The guys loved the sound effects and started to help me make them when ships were hit. This team involvement was both rare and epic. And I'm talking about 60 plus salespeople in the audience. As I thought about it, I wondered if my sound effects reminded them of theirs when they played Battleship as a kid. Another point on Battleship, the incentive, and Fleet Week, the sponsorship. If you are footing the bill for the sponsorship, I strongly suggest meeting with the event producers. I did this regularly and was able to negotiate extra trappings that added a great deal to the incentive and cost nothing extra other than my negotiation time. It will serve you greatly to build relationships with these key experiential event specialists. Because believe me, you'll want to do this again and again. For example, in addition to money, the top battleship winners got to visit an aircraft carrier. How often do you get to do that? Another year, we got invited to a VIP meet-and-greet with the Blue Angels. There were also astronauts there. One year, I even negotiated a flight in an F-18. These are exceptional motivators that will exceed stretch goals while clearly differentiating your brand's incentive light years from any other on the plan. With an incentive of this caliber, You will own the sales force for that period of time. This rarely, if ever, happens. This is a creative and fun example of putting in that extra effort, which few companies are willing to do. The Street Smart sales team realizes this and truly appreciates and responds to the few firms that empathize with them and take that creative extra mile. As I've been saying, If you want to be successful in 2019, it's going to take a tenacious and creative effort to win. A battleship, fleet week sponsorship incentive is a small element within your master experiential event marketing plan. Remember that salespeople sell for brands and suppliers they like. Thank you for your question, Chad. Let's keep them coming. So today's topic Kind of what we've been talking about, sales rep training and motivation. 
I recall an excerpt from one of the In Search for Excellence books by Tom Peters. In one of the passages, he talks about a company that rented the Dallas Cowboys Stadium for a sales team extravaganza. This company flew all their top salespeople and spouses into Dallas from around the world. The objective was twofold. Firstly, they wanted to thank and congratulate their elite top performers for their outstanding year-end efforts. This included a substantial bonus. Secondly, they prepared the event like a Super Bowl gala featuring a huge stage, lighting, band, and full stadium amplification. The event also took place in the evening so the stars could be seen in the lights. Each top salesperson was invited to the stage. The announcer went into extreme detail about that person's accomplishments. Besides a healthy bonus, Chuck, what do you think motivated these top dogs more than the money? It was the thrill of peer recognition in front of their colleagues. Many were surveyed afterwards and admitted that the peer recognition was more gratifying than the compensation check. The company that sponsored this annual event was also the number one market share firm in its industry. This company clearly understood the motivation factor deep down within their sales force and helped them to reach even higher levels. Now, I realize that few, if any of you listeners, can afford such a grand appreciation investment. But the point is one that you should think about and tailor your own resources around. I bring up this point because, in my experience, I see few attaboys or attagirls being handed out. It seems that so many companies are so busy that they forget to ignore the attaboy gesture. This ignorance and lack of understanding or appreciation for the professional salesperson, marketing person, or team is usually the reason for turnover, reduced effort, and lack of motivation. I tell you that I see and hear about a ton of sales turnover here in Northern California. Now, a well-oiled, high-horsepower sales team is what it will take in 2019 to succeed given the amount of competition that we've been talking about in prior podcasts that's coming or already in your marketplace. So let's break down the sales team into two distinct groups. The first are your sales reps and managers, often referred to as feet on the street. The second are your wholesaler, distributor salespeople who cover the on and off-premise accounts within your distribution territory or territories. Incentive plans are typically separate from these two groups, but you can blend the two in some creative instances. As for training your in-house team, I strongly recommend sponsoring them through an accredited course that requires presentations with professional video feedback. They should also learn, for example, uh, or pass a Cicerone Level 1 for craft beer or an appropriate certification within your beverage classification or industry. Once you're satisfied with your internal team's ability to sell, my suggestion is that you next train them on your brand and your business. This includes the marketing story, the KDA, target market, product details, pricing, new items, distributor introductions, the three-tier system, draft nuances, special event expectations, delivery and production details, freshness, code dating, their appearance, 
apparel, and forecasting after they've completed this phase. I'd talk to them about a bonus plan tied to distribution and volume within their territories. Upon completion of this training, they would next receive direction on how to approach and manage their wholesaler network, including ride widths, sales incentives, special events, expenses, account visits, and that would uh, include detailed uh, weekly documented results and follow-up and other duties. It is important to remember that the sales function is a challenging and necessary one. Ownership and senior management should set quarterly goals for internal sales teams and congratulate them openly when these goals are met. They must also provide the sales uh, professional with a comprehensive annual review detailing vital performance feedback for the competitive sales employee. They need and want that. Another key to retaining sales personnel is communication. I've been with hundreds of supplier reps, hundreds, who tell me that they don't know what they're doing, if uh, they're doing it well, and what's happening at their company because they never hear from their boss or get any feedback from that person. This is crazy. I suggest a personal or video uh, Skype conversation between sales management and subordinates on at least a monthly basis, if not weekly. This meeting will cover predetermined sales topics. It'll add professionalism, uh, share uh, expectations, provide feedback, and discuss key learnings and goals. So let's take a, a recap of episode 15. Try to synergize your special event investment with wholesaler and internal incentives such as Battleship. To get the maximum results from your incentives, empathize with the sales audience while making them fun, unique, creative, and lucrative. Remember to acknowledge your top sales performers amongst their peers on a regular basis. Communicate with your sales teams regardless of their location or proximity to headquarters. There is no excuse with today's technology for being out of touch with all levels of your sales team. Thoroughly train your recruits in management so that they have a high caliber of sales, so that, sorry, uh, so that you have a high caliber of sales talent representing your brand. Constant high quality training will serve to retain those valuable employees. And don't forget to give an attaboy or girl. This simple recognition goes a long way with a sales professional. Uh, Maybe even throw in a mocha. So thank you for listening. Please check out my website at shinerunnercraftmarketing.com. If you're in need of a marketing, sales, distribution, or special event consultant, please uh, consider me. Or maybe if you're looking for a a senior executive for your team, give us a shout. Also take a look at my book, Craft Beer Marketing and Distribution, Brace for Skumageddon. Join us next time on the Brewing Network's Shine Runner Show for episode 16, where we'll dig into the wholesaler sales rep training and motivation piece. <laughs>